0: love talk radio hi everybody this is uh, silvio canto in dallas uh, texas on wednesday may the 31st and welcome to our commentary this is the end of may the next time we we chat will be in the month of june i mean this year is just flying by i don't know if this is what happened last year, but I get the feeling this year is really flying by. I don't know about you guys. Well, today we're going to begin our our commentary talking about a post that I have over at the American Thinker this morning. You know, normally I write about politics and current events, uh, but today I wrote about sports and specifically Joe Namath, one of the most interesting personalities, sports personalities really, of the last uh, 50 or 60 years. Now, some of you may be familiar with Joe Namath because he does all of these Medicare television commercials. If you're not a baseball or a football fan, that may be the, the way you know Joe Namath from the Medicare commercials. But once upon a time, Joe Namath, uh, back in the 60s, was a young quarterback. He was born in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, and uh, he was born in 1943, so he, turned, uh, he turns 80 years old today. May 31st. But he was born there. He's a very good athlete. And he ended up playing quarterback at the University of Alabama back in the the mid-1960s. That was a very good program. And it didn't take long for the football world to realize that Joe Namath had a great future. So when it came time to go into the pros, the natural thing to do for young quarterbacks uh, at that time or great football players at that time was to sign with the National Football League, which is the established uh, football league that had been around for a very long time. But Joe decided to go with the American Football League. Now, they gave him a ton of money, to be fair, to sign uh, with what they used to call the AFL. The AFL had been around for about five years. They were trying to break into the the football world, and they had signed a television contract with NBC, who was carrying their games on on Sunday, and they were trying to establish themselves. And they decided to hire Joe and make him the face of, of the league. And, and Joe, of course, was a good looking guy. He was a good athlete. He was playing in New York. So he had everything going for him. And he was also a great quarterback. So Joe began playing, and uh, the American Football League began to take off. And in 1969, in 1969, January 1969, They had what we now call the Super Bowl. Back then, it was not called the Super Bowl. It was called the American versus National Football League Championship. And uh, this was the third one. The first two had gone to Green Bay. This was the third one. And it was between the Baltimore Colts and the New York Jets. Now, the Colts were heavy favorites. They were a much better team. Uh, They were one of the great teams, really, in NFL history. But Namath beat the Colts. And then overnight, he became... uh, a huge uh, sensation, and a year and a half later, the American League and the National League decided to become one, which is what we now have, the National Conference, the American Conference. That's what we have now under the banner of the NFL. But the person who made it all happen was Joe Namath, who's 80 years old today. Now, Namath was extremely popular with the young people. I was a huge fan of Namath when I was in school. The girls were madly in love with Joe Namath because he was, uh, you know, a good looking guy, of course, and it was he was just a great personality. He was, uh, I guess, maybe the first real television personality in football history. There were other great players at the time, of course, but he was such a such a dramatic. He was made for television, and that's exactly what he did. He became the big football player. Of that time, so Joe Namath is 80 years old. I hope he's doing well. Like some of you, I see him doing Medicare commercials, and uh, you know that's kind of funny watching him do Medicare commercials. But anyway, I guess that's what you do when you get old these days. So happy number 80, the Joe Namath, one of my all time favorite uh, football players and sports personalities. And man, I remember watching the the AFL; those great games between the Jets. And the Raiders and uh, the Chiefs—that was another great team from the AFL. And uh, of course, now they all play under the banner of the NFL. But back then, they had two different leagues, and you know, A- NFL was on CBS, AFL was on NBC, and that's uh, kind of how we grew up watching uh, football in the late '60s, uh, early '70s. So again, happy number 80. The Joe Namath, one of my all-time favorites. Well, a lot of talk these days about woke companies and companies who have decided to, I guess, go woke. And in doing so, they've upset their client base. And some companies are actually suffering quite a bit. The the beer company, the, the the retail company, I don't want to get into their names, but you know who they are. The baseball team is also suffering. And that's because these organizations made A very big mistake. They didn't know their customers. But they also, they made a bigger mistake than that, I think. Not knowing their customers was pretty big. But they made a big mistake. And that is assuming that people want to be, you know, in your face politics 24-7. I think people are fed up with that. People are fed up with watching television and seeing politics in television commercials. Seeing what they like to call virtue signaling where every television commercial these days is a a political statement. People don't want to watch that. They're they're, they're saying, hey, don't give me that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I just want to watch the commercial. I'm going into Target to buy some things for my kids. Don't give me all that stuff in your face, as uh, Target was doing. I I just want to buy some beer. Hey, don't give me that in-your-face kind of 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 uh, political statement and then of course the worst case of all is the dodgers in la i mean it's a baseball team what in the heck is a baseball team getting associated with all of this and then they invite to the game one of the most obnoxious and anti-catholic groups in the country and there's these sisters or whatever whatever their name is who've made it a practice to mock and try to destroy uh, Catholic monuments and uh, sacraments, and they walk into a mass, and, and they mock uh, the Catholic faith. Well, these companies are paying a price, and a lot more companies are going to pay a price if they don't get their act together. People do not want to see this. They're fed up with this. They're tired of this, and if these companies don't get it, I guess more companies are going to suffer billions of dollars in losses, and frankly, if that's what it takes, then let it be. If that's what it takes, let it be. And if you're a CEO out there and you're trying to market your strategy for the next 12 months and they come to you with all this woke stuff, maybe you should step back for a second and say, well, does that really fit us? Is that really what we need to be doing? And if you say yes, then you're going to end up losing money. If you say no, then you're going to keep your customers. It's as simple as as that. What what an incredible situation, frankly, to, to watch these companies just commit suicide. Because they want to be woke. Well, what a what a terrible tragedy that is. Well, it looks like we're going to have a few people coming into the Republican race. Uh, Vice President Pence, Governor Christie, former governor of New Jersey. He's going to be coming in. Not exactly sure what impact all of this is going to have. I guess in a in a way, it sort of helps President Trump because the more candidates you have. Uh, you know, the easier it is for Trump to win with 35, 40 percent of the vote as he did back in 2016. But I think a lot of these candidates will probably maybe go as far as New Hampshire or maybe some of the primaries at the very beginning. But I can't see them going very far. I, I just can't see them going very far. I'm not sure. I mean, Vice President Pence, I like him a lot. I think he was a very loyal vice president to uh, to President Trump. I know that there was a difference between them there at the end, uh, which sort of soured uh, their relationship. But I don't see him, frankly, making much of a much of a entrance here and Governor Christie even less. Now, I was a big fan of Governor Christie back in 2016. I thought he would be a very good candidate for president. And I continue to say I think he would make a heck of an attorney general, Governor Christie, that is. But I don't think these two men are going to have much of an impact on the race because I think it's down to DeSantis and Trump. It's one of those two who will be the Republican nominee. I think everybody else, maybe they're fighting for the VP position. I don't think Pence would be a VP, nor Christie, but I certainly think Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, would be a very good uh, VP. Well, once again, once again, we're seeing the world going a little bit crazy. You have the president of Brazil, Lula. He goes to Venezuela and he gets together with uh, the dictator of Venezuela, Maduro, and they have a love fest. You know, you would think that my goodness, these two guys have not seen each other for centuries. And, you know, Lula is coming up with all kinds of excuses for Maduro and Venezuela. But here's the good part. Here's the good part of the story. A lot of leaders, in South America and in Central America are standing up and saying no. President of Chile, I was happy to see that. The president of Chile said no, come on, come on. This a, you, you have to know what's going on in that country. The president of Uruguay said the same thing. So it's good to see, it's good to see a reaction from some of the leaders of Latin America who don't like uh, the glorification of Maduro in Venezuela. And shame on Lula. I don't know how else to say it, shame on Lula. For allowing himself to to step into this, I mean, look, I understand that leaders don't want to get involved in the affairs of other countries. I get that, but don't go in there and make a, a martyr, uh, you know, out of uh, Maduro, who is not a democrat. He's not a a person who has been very good for the country. In fact, he's been a dictator, in every in every sense of the word. So what a what a mess. Uh, shame on Lula. That's all I can say. Shame on Lula. Well, last but not least, I've got a post uh, coming out about this uh, Thursday morning, so check it out. But Jane Fonda, remember Jane Fonda? Well, she's at it again now. She's at it again. You can always count on Jane Fonda to say something stupid. Well, the latest bit of wisdom from Jane Fonda, she's blaming white people people and racism for all the climate change problems. So it's uh, basically the fault of white people, according to Jane Fonda. That's why we have climate change. Now, nobody, and you know, it would be nice if somebody in the media would ask uh, Jane Fonda about uh, China for not exactly doing their best uh, to, to work on climate change. In fact, those two countries, particularly China, they're polluting their atmosphere at a rapid rate, but nobody will challenge the Chinese. I guess maybe Jane Fonda doesn't want to say something negative about the Chinese. Maybe they will pull her videos and her films out of circulation in china maybe that's why she doesn't want to say anything but she did say some things about you know white people and racism and climate change she ought to be embarrassed and there ought to be people calling her out but they won't they won't there's such a double standard in this stuff it's uh it's pretty uh pretty sickening so thank you for listening this is uh silvio canto in dallas and one more time happy number 80 to joe damas broadway joe as they used to call them. Bye-bye, everybody.